Let's see. I'm gonna. Uh, I take on all comers. Where is it? Here, start broadcast. There. Ooh, who's playing that? Is Blake? that Oh, get Ken, get Ken out! Get Ken out of here! <laughs> get Ken out of here! I think we're live. <laughs> yeah, so we're we're live. This is the Beat People podcast. Um, we don't beat people. We are beat people, and we got a special show today. We got uh, a full room. We got uh, the the typical suspects. We got Stony. What's up, Stony? We got. Uh, hey, how's everybody doing? We're hurt. We got Sam. What's going on, Sam? Hey, I'm doing great. How are you, Corey? Good, man. And we got Ken. What up, Ken? I am anything but typical. Yeah, well, you, you are a suspect, though. <laughs> <laughs> and we got Blake from Yamaha Music. How are you, Blake? Hey, how you doing? All right, all right. Thanks for joining the show, man. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. So, hey, um, uh, I kind of like what, what we were... We actually been having a pretty vibrant conversation before the show started. It's almost like that should have been a podcast. We're going to get back to that conversation too. Um, but let's, uh, let's talk to, to my man, Blake about the montage. Uh, was that what, were you just playing the montage, Blake? Yeah, I got it in front of me. That's what, uh, the, um, the audio is coming through my computer through montages, USB connection. So, Oh, nice. Nice. And I can still use my microphone on the Mac so I don't get the echo. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Dope. But yeah, that's, that's, that's kind of like, I'm sitting literally right in front of my montage. So, which is where I usually sit. (laughs) <laughs> did you you've but, done you've done a lot of videos on the montage right yeah yep yeah primarily for different retailers and stuff and then um we actually have a whole bunch of videos that are coming out april 1st um, about four hours worth of tutorial videos with all of our uh product team dope. that we have dope is so, uh yeah. there's one that you all have up here that's doing uh what is it the the um the envelope follower the audio beat sync is that, that a new yeah. video? Yeah, there's actually, I did, and that's one of the videos that's coming out that we did at Yamaha in uh, Buena Park. Okay. Where I just kind of showed how that worked. But yeah, there's one that came out um, that Yamaha Japan released with a band that shows how the envelope follower works, which is pretty nice. Pretty cool. Really cool, actually. So um, some people know that I actually had the montage for a while here. I just sent it back just recently. And one of the things that I did, like that was actually one of the things that uh, I really enjoyed about it is doing the whole uh, envelope follower beat sync thing. Uh, and I yeah. demonstrated in the video. I just have to finish editing the video. Uh, there's always so much going on. But once I get that edited, I'll get it up. But I used my um, electron analog rhythm. Um, to to you know drive the sync and to 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 drive the envelope follower. It was pretty dope. I kind of dig that. Like I mean, it was almost magical the way everything just kind of synced up with it like that. That was pretty cool. Yeah, it's pretty deep because you know the way that you know traditionally envelope followers are sort of like uh, you know generally for filters, mm-hmm. and so it's they kind of do one thing. Well, with montage, because anything that's a synthesis parameter inside montage can be routed. Um, to the envelope follower. Mm-hmm. So some things work better than others, but you can do things like, you know, I don't know, route the input level of the modulator mm-hmm. on one of the operators in the FM engine mm-hmm. to change in real time with the input coming in from your A to D input. It will change the timbral quality of the synth sound, for example, mm-hmm. about a million different things. It seems like it's super deep in that way. And it's cool that it, that we allow uh 
you know, the way the engineers did it with the envelope follow and then the audio beat sync is to bring in external devices into the montage kind of ecosystem mm-hmm. and be able to interact with its really deep synthesis parameters with audio signal. It's one of the coolest things that, uh, you know, we're just kind of beginning to uh, figure out all the different things you can do with it that are really cool and really interesting and, um, you know, inspiring. Dope. Dope. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm, I'm about to show the screen here. I want to show for those people that don't, uh, for people that don't know what the montage is. Um, so the montage is a workstation, right? And it has two uh, synth engines. Is it the AMW or the AWM2? AWM2, it's our sample based, <laughs> and then the FM. And really, you know, workstation. I wouldn't, you know, when you say workstation, it gives the idea that there's a really deep sequencer on board, sort of like Motif. Motif had a full-on sequencer. Montage really doesn't. It's got kind of a sketch pad sequencer. It's very, we call it a performance recorder, really. Um, Well, yeah. So we we put a lot of robust connections. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's just, it's a different thing because we started recognizing the sort of workstation market. Um, You know, they felt that it was sort of going down, especially with now that we have lots of um, different ways to connect to external devices, not just computers, but mobile devices and iPads. So they took a lot of the deep sequencing out of this. um, And they wanted to have a little bit more robust integration to like a computer. So it's iOS compatible. And then it's when you connect it to computer, you have 32 audio outputs Mm -hmm. and six returns back, um, which is pretty deep. So you can, you can basically connect MIDI and audio via USB. Um, that's a big, big thing about it. That was a big change that a lot of people um, don't really get at first, but that is what is about it. It's not really a workstation mm-hmm. in so far as like Motif was, if you, you know. That's no. Can I question? Yep. Yeah. Um, Blake, could you speak more about uh, motion control synthesis, the engine, and sure. what that means and how that works? Sure. Yeah. Well, so what motion control is. Um, is you have the ability to um, route a whole lot of parameters to move simultaneously. Um, and there's two ways you can do it. One of them is with this, the big super knob, for example. What the super knob does, it's a macro control that you can route eight of these assignable knobs um, wow. to move with, them, with the, the, the super knob. But each of those motions can do all sorts of different things. So... You know, a really simple one would be, in fact, I can just play a few things because it's right in front of me. Um, it's just the CFX, you know, that with motion control, I can move between the piano right. and the FM synthesizer. Hmm. But it and, and so what's happening is as one is 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 turning up, the other one is turning down. Basic thing is that while one thing is going this way, another thing can go the other way. So those are just two linear curves. Mm-hmm. So we have like 26 different preset curves. So some of them can go this way. Um, some of them can go reverse. You right. have up to 32 different curves that you can have as users. And then each of, in a performance, you have up to eight parts, okay? Mm-hmm. So let's take two parts. Two parts can have up to 16 different motions that can simultaneously move with the movement of that super knob. So even though if I'm going this way with the super knob, I can have right. one of those 16 of those two parts. So up to 32 different parameters. One of those could go this way. One of them can go this way. 
One of them can be this kind of a curve. One of them can be a reverse kind of curve. One of them can be one of the 32 user curves. Wow. So hopefully this is making sense. It means that you can just do a lot of really dynamic motions to certain sounds. So like I have stuff like, um, let me see what I got set up here. Hold on. Let me see that I got my, uh, my ducks in a row here. This one's a cool one. So with this one, if you can hear this kind of. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. So this is just two parts. And I'm going to move the super knob and you'll hear. Mm-hmm. I'll go the other direction now. Wow. That's crazy. So that is crazy. So that one goes from you know that's called FM linear synth. That's one of our original kind of presets, and it uses an FM and an AWM two sound for all the different kind of interpolations, I guess, or motions is what we call them, moving in different Not ways. Like and it kind of uh, you can do morphy things with it. You can do really big dynamic brass mm. swells with it. Well, yeah. I was. That's what I was about to ask you. When I'm, when you're using that, it, it. What is the ideal way to use that in a live performance? So if I had a montage and I'm on stage and I'm, you know, performing live tracks that I do, just from a like musical performance perspective, am I able to use that with other, with other, um, with other software? Yeah, you can. But the thing about the software is whether or not it responds to all the things and and really how um, because these are direct parameter controls. When you're dealing with um, software, most of those controls that you have are continuous controllers. Right. Continuous controllers are channel specific Mm -hmm. and they're limited as to what you can select with this. You're doing direct parameter control and you can basically get to virtually every parameter inside of montage. So you can do things like change um, of a single effect of one of the parts of which you have two insert effects on a single part. One of those I could have multiple things do, and you can't really get to those parameters with continuous controllers. So the limitation really has to do with how continuous controllers work um, on how it interacts with it. But you can do a lot of interactions because you have many continuous controllers with all the assignables and with the control interface in front of you. Mm-hmm. So some things you can do, but the deep synthesis parameters are kind of unique to montage on what it does. <clears throat> and you were asking about a live. Um, it, it, it depends on what kind of music you're doing. You know, if I'm doing things like where I have string sections... So in this case, the super knob is moving between. It's moving between a large section and a small section. Okay. So if you were playing a song, a ballad, and you wanted to move from a big large section and then on the bridge, you want a really quick change where you turn it all the way over to the small section on the bridge, just the string section of of like a small ensemble is playing on that part. And then when the chorus comes back in and you want a bigger sound, move it over. And now you have the full section. 
Does that make sense? That's one way you could use it in a musical sense. Mm-hmm. Um, another way, I mean, there's, there's, it's pretty much what kind of music you're into, all the things that you can do with it. Um, it's, it's pretty coolly set up to do virtually everything, everything from hip hop to jazz, to country, to worship music. I mean, we they really made it um, a really flexible system as far as the sound quality and the, 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 um, content that's available in here let me ask a quick question about um something that really it's kind of sidetracked to the montage but in the the picture that Corey just shared uh there was a thing about the bluetooth midi on there and what i wanted to ask was um that bluetooth midi thing looks eerily familiar to this bluetooth midi thing and i was wondering if it was made by the same people because if i recall i think it was one of the yamaha engineers that was involved um this is the 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 mi.1 or something like that it was a kickstarter at one point uh qso sound or something to that effect but i was just wondering if it worked the same way if it's like a little bluetooth um dongle thing yeah it's i mean here's here's mine right here this is the this is the 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 MDBT01. So um, it I think it works the same. I'm not sure about that particular one. Mm-hmm. I do remember something that it was somebody that that had some work with Yamaha. I don't really know the whole story about that one. Okay, but um, this works similarly. What um, you do with this guy, you can connect to iOS um, with this. So you have uh, actual little um, Bluetooth app that you can connect to an iOS app with this guy. Yeah. This that's kind of how this works as well. Yeah. And then anything that on, that has Bluetooth 4.0 mm-hmm. on uh, the Macintosh, it works with the Mac. Yeah. Too. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. The drawback to the one that I have here, um, while it, it works really nicely, um, there's, there's a couple of drawbacks is that, this original model here they have it's kind of chunky on the back so it doesn't necessarily fit on really close ports but um it looks like on yours they they refine that and it's it's nice and smooth out the back so it's the same as a regular midi connector so that's that's pretty cool but yeah i I love i love little bluetooth midi connections like that and i believe they draw power directly from the the midi power port you know, uh, MIDI can actually carry a little bit of power to it. So yeah. there's no batteries or anything. No batteries. And, the, um, and you know, if, if, if you want to see kind of some stuff about it, um, we have a website called YamahaSynth.com. That's specifically, we have tons and tons of articles and it's forum based and all that kind of stuff. I wrote two articles um, particularly about these two. There, there's one called a BT-01 MD. This is this one, MDBT-01 MIDI. And then there's one called a UDBT01 that's a USB, so it uses a USB um, two-host connector. Mm. Okay. So one of them, Mm. standard MIDI, the other one USB. Um, And I just wrote a couple of articles on how to connect. It's super simple. Yeah. Um, But also, I I also like to point out Yamaha Synth because I guess that would be – is that Stoney? Is that your name? Stoney. Yes. Trying to see. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Because you asked about motion control. There's yes, tons absolutely. of articles up there specifically about different things about how to, how what to, is that? Yamaha, awesome. Yamaha synth.com. Yamaha synth. Yeah. And, and Phil Clendenin, who is, uh, lives in New York city. Actually, okay. somebody, somebody's in New York, right? Uh, My son's in New York. Yeah. Stoney's in New York. 
Yeah, yeah so York. Phil Clendenin, he is a, our uh, our kind of senior guru product guy um, that's uh, lives in New York, and he did like a whole ten series thing on Supernova programming, and has done a lot of articles. And he also, oh my god, can you can you connect us? You and Phil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not on speaking terms with my son. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah when we're done here. You can, yeah, yeah be sure. sure. So, I, I wanted to ask a couple of things about the way that um, yeah. the menu structure is set up on um, on the montage, as far as uh, when you're getting into deep synthesis and designing your own presets and that sort of thing. Um, is there a lot of hot keys and and quick methods to get to different sections of the synth, or how does that work? Sure. Yeah, I mean. It is. Um, we like to say two things about montage. It, it's it's for snorkelers and scuba divers. And what we mean by that is the vast majority of the people that are out there are mm-hmm. what we kind of term as snorkelers. They want to select sounds, play the instrument, and so on. The scuba divers are the people that want to do the deep programming. Guys like Richard Devine, for example. You know, he's a pretty yeah. pretty big you know programmer. He was really into the montage and did a lot of the sound development for it. Um, so for someone like him, who's a clearly a scuba diver, you can get extremely deep and you can get, it's, it's basically set up like this. The structure is there's one mode called performance mode. Okay. So a performance is made up of up to 16 parts. Eight of those parts are available simultaneously to play. So you can, those are the playable parts. Mm-hmm. The other eight are there as well, but you could use those for sequencing and each one of those parts you can think of as a complete sort of motif sort of level voice, you know? So it's a complete synthesis entity, one of those parts. So that's the performance mode. Each one of those parts, they have their own filters, insertion effects, envelope generators, LFOs, and so on. And of those two parts, one could be an AWM voice, which is the sample-based voice, which this guy has almost 10 times the wave ROM of the XF of the previous model. So there's a lot more wave ROM in here. MX engine, which is a, uh, an eight operator, 88 algorithm FM synthesizer. So you can drop into that level, which is the part level and edit all of those guides. And lower, you have the individual, what we call elements, which would be like oscillators or operators, which are the, 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 you know, the, tone generation uh components of fm synthesis Mm -hmm. and you can get to those levels and edit those operators at that deep deep level you can even edit all the effects at a deep level so but how is there any way to get to like the deepest layers like that quickly like as opposed to going like menu to menu to menu to menu can you just hop right in by like maybe a combination of buttons or anything to that effect well let's say right right now i'm in i was in that that seattle sections right so I'm going to drop down and see how fast it takes me to get to an element level. So I hit edit, select a part. I'm at the element level. So it's two button, three buttons to get down to the to basically the lowest level where I can look at a single element. And I have in front of my screen, I have oscillator, pitch, EG, filter, amplitude, element LFO, and element EQ at that low level. Okay. I can get to all of them really quick. One of the cool things that we did with montage is the touch screen is here. But the controls, all the buttons, um, mirror a lot of the 
the um, yeah, what's happening touchscreen. So if you when I had it to have the, the yeah, actual you, hardware buttons, but you also have the the virtual screen, touchscreen stuff like that, it, it's kind of give yeah. you a couple ways to get to everything. It, exactly that that he said it. There's a couple of ways to get to everything quickly. And at first, you know, I mean, I know that there, there's some things about montage because of how we work with stuff that are a little different. Um, but I, I think Corey, you know, you hit me a couple times with like, how do I do this? And I mm-hmm. hit you to the single channel mode, for example. Oh yeah. Let's, let's talk about um, that single channel mode. Cause you were just speaking. There are, of, well, yeah. I don't want, actually, I, I won't get tangential. I'll let you finish your thought, but I want to go back to the single channel mode. Oh. No, I, 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 just to, to answer, um, I guess that was Ken, Kenneth, yeah. right? Yeah, just call me Flux. It's easier. Flubs? Flux. Flux. <laughs> not Flubs. No, no. <laughs> I hope not. Uh, no, no. Uh, so, yes, you can get to um, things very quickly on it. It doesn't take long. If you're familiar with, with just editing, especially Yamaha synthesizers, but just synthesizers in general, there's a lot of commonalities to get to certain levels on the instrument to do what you want it to do. So the, the, the thing that I wanted to, to get to is about the, um, the single mode versus multi mode. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, so you were just talking about, um, how you can have like eight different, uh, parts, on like yeah. a multi-channel. So one of the things that I was doing, because you know, I'm uh, I'm a guy that works with groove boxes and NPCs. So as I was using it with my NPC, I'm gonna uh, make a, a a track. I came across, I guess I was on a multi-mode, and as I played, it was this huge full sound. And and I realized as I was looking, I was like, oh, it's layered with a few different parts. And so I yeah. went to go and sequence it. And when I, I sequenced it, and I played my eight-bar part, and you know, had my other sequence the beat going on the npc um and then when it played back by the time it turned back around it played back it was uh uh only playing one part so it went from this huge beautiful lush sound down to you know uh uh, a less large sound it wasn't that it it was it was just like one sound out of the four or five uh parts that was there and so i was like oh (laughs) it's okay so it's a multi i knew it right off i'm like okay it's it's a multi part so i gotta figure out how best to you know to do that so i had to call you and say like okay this is my deal what do you do for that and you told me about the single part part mode well one of the things that's there there's the the traditional i guess paradigm for sequencing and uh using synthesis instruments that are multi-timbral is you have one part that'll be your drum part that's on channel one. Second part would be a bass part that's on channel two and so on right we know kind of how to use those types of things well mm-hmm. montage absolutely is capable of doing that it, it's it's set up to be that kind of traditional way but there's some sounds in here and one of them I have one up right here the CFX concert piano sound okay so that is a four-part single instrument. Um, performance. So it uses four parts to, to create this single piano sound. Mm-hmm. And the benefit of that is that the piano itself is super dynamic. Like the soft layer is so soft that when you're playing it, you can really get it to speak. But when you get loud, I'm sure it's not coming through as awesome as it is here, but um, 
it's, it's just, it's super dynamic. So how do we do that? We do it by taking each of those parts um, and having, in fact, I'll turn off the, so some of these parts. When I play it, that's the soft layer. But if I hit hard, I get nothing because I've turned off three of the parts. So I turned off the medium and, and fortissimo level. So if I go to that next one, if I turn that on, I turn off the first part. So now I have the second part on. If I play soft, I get nothing. But if I hit it hard, that's the next velocity. And then the third layer, third layer, um, there's nothing at all in the third layer except up here. So on a grand piano above the G, there are no more dampers. So those are open strings on top level. So we have a separate for that part of the piano. And then part four is the key off, which is. Oh, nice. So you put all parts together, you have the full piano. Now, what you experienced was um, because some of these sounds, they're, they're bigger than just one part. It kind of breaks that paradigm. So in order to sequence this, this piano sound, you have to do one of two things. One of them is you have to open up four different tracks. Mm-hmm if you want to do it multi and record simultaneously four channels, it, it's kind of a drag to edit when you do that though. So we, the engineers came up with a single channel mode where all it does is just turns montage into one channel. And then you record all of the parts of a performance on a single channel. Mm-hmm. Um, it was, you know, part of the reason why we added all of the audio capabilities because the idea to use montage is it's a it's a it's a it's a rendering kind of deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did a pretty uh, long article about this where I wanted to have a uh, a song that had that ended up having like twenty eight parts. Well, wow, you know, like on an orchestral piece, huh? Yeah. Well, like mm-hmm. uh, Seattle sections is seven parts. Mm-hmm. CFX concert is four parts. I have a couple of brass sounds in here that are eight parts. Um, with drums, bass, guitar, whole lot. So in order to reuse the instrument, you render tracks as needed. I have a separate um, MIDI area where I do my MIDI stuff, and then I render that part, and I mute that track and put it all in a folder in Cubase or Logic, but I use Cubase primarily. But uh, but it, same thing in Logic. You just put it all into a folder, and then you redo the instrument. You use something else and you play along with the audio tracks. You still have the MIDI tracks where if you want to go back and edit those, you can just bring back that original four-part sound in the single-part mode and edit things you want. But then it's a, it's a, it's a process of rendering tracks to reuse the hardware. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. Hey, Blake, I got a question for you. Uh, you were talking about using all these different parts, and something that kind of popped into my head is – uh, the headroom inside of the synth and yeah. how it goes about um, handling. Like if you're, you know, when you start using that many parts, I could imagine that gain staging could kind of become an issue. Does it automatically compensate for this stuff? Like how does it work out? You know, as far as if you're going to be using 128 parts in a track, um, if you're doing a live performance and not so much, 
you know, trying to be tracking it out, but you've got all these different key splits going on and all these different layers. Um, is that something that you run into or does no. it just. Live, live, no, it doesn't. It, it does. It, it, it's very well balanced in a live situation. The game structure would happen when you're in a production where you have a bunch of audio tracks. And then as you start adding audio tracks, you'd have to compensate inside your DAW, but from a live point of view, no, it, it, it doesn't have any issues like that. Mm-hmm. I know what you're saying, though. As you start adding more and more tracks, especially in the DAW, you start realizing that that's, you know, basic mixing is like, wow, as you start adding more tracks, your um, All levels those frequencies up. add up, yeah. Absolutely. So that's why, that's you know, when I, when I talk to people about, about um, mixing, one thing I always say is, um, uh, in fact, the best way I say it is there's the, in Japanese flower arranging, it's an interesting kind of way to look at stuff. They basically throw a whole bunch of flowers on a table and they take away what doesn't belong. And that's how they come up with a floral arrangement. So it's a subtractive methodology as opposed to an additive technology. Here, most people kind of like, well, I'm going to make a flower arrangement. I'll take this flower and you start adding things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So there's just, it's a different approach to kind of, um, uh, in, in thinking about stuff. So I talk about that in relationship to EQ, where most people, if they want more bass, they generally turn up more bass. I tell people best thing to do is to cut treble to give you the perception of bass. Cause as you increase, you know, a, a bass frequency, it increases the volume at that frequency. So you yeah, just you only got so change much headroom. Your... So then you're going to have this exactly. wild smash and of everything after a while. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, that's the one thing that when you listen to a really great mix engineer versus someone that's a, that's a amateur, they generally overmix the bass yeah. mm-hmm. almost exclusively because they, it makes sense. I want more bass. I turn it up. So um, that's kind of a tangent on what you were talking about, but that. Yeah. 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 But no, it makes sense. Um, yeah. But so I tell people. That, so, so you know, in the, you know, I'm on the montage site as well, so I can just kind of queue up ideas this year. But um, one of the things that it mentioned is uh, what's that? Are you on the Yamaha site? I'm on the USA Yamaha Yamaha product page for for the the marketing. And uh, one of the things it mentioned in here for workflow was dedicated USB volume, uh, monitor volume, just connected. So do you have like a, is it like a mixing desk on iOS and you can see levels that way as well? Um, No, not on iOS, just inside a montage itself, inside the audio IO, I have a thing that says USB volume. And okay. I can just turn down the income. Oh, I see. Right I see. Now, I'm listening to you. I can turn you up now. Yeah, you, so you guys want, are really loud. Nobody wants to hear me. <laughs> That's why I turn so I have my USB button set at 40 on here out of 128. I right? see what you're saying. That's, that's all that is. I'm just controlling the input coming in from a DAW, for example. Mm-hmm. It's really nice. I mean, I was using this the other day. Just I just wanted to bring the metronome down. Mm. Yeah. And... Now, sometimes it's just like, how do I turn the metronome down inside the DAW? Well, I can just go right here and just turn down the metronome. I can also control sometimes the audio output of some of those uh, uh, virtual instruments can be super hot. Yeah, mm-hmm. certainly. You know, um, and I want to control just what's coming back from there. I can control it here. I can also obviously control the dot too, but that's what that is. It's just oh, that's cool. Control. So I got a I got a question about the um, 
Yeah, and it's actually we got a live chat here too on the on the YouTube channel. So a couple of people were asking about um, with it being. Do you? I mean, well, there's a couple of questions I got. So do you consider it a workstation? And if you do consider it a workstation, I guess most people will, will, will at least a couple of people here were wondering why no sampler like we're traditionally used to. And uh, I think you already addressed the sequencer deal with with it being more of a performance capturing uh, sequencer than a fully fleshed sequencer um but so it has the the awm2 uh uh synth engine and it also has the fm synth engine um why no sampler included um they just um a lot of the reason why there's no sampler is because hardware sampling is pretty much not happening so much anymore mm. if you look around like just hardware um pieces that's not saying like something like an mpc for example mm-hmm. you know that the way that works is is exactly you know for for making beats and sampling little one shots but it's sort of a rhythmic experience as opposed to a sampler as far as like a uh, a key map sampler mm-hmm. um and you know we i remember when we released our product we had an a3000 an a4000 and a5000 actually sampler too I remember when we released those and um, one of our things said, we, we, okay, so we finally did it. We, we are the number one selling uh, hardware sampler. Now that's the good news. The bad news is the hardware sampler market is about this big. Now <laughs> remember when Akai was huge, right? Everybody's then when Giga sampler came out and then we had uh, what Halion, that's the Steinberg product. Mm-hmm. All that stuff was so much moved so over to the computer that it kind of killed the hardware sampler market. Now, with that said, you do have uh, 1.75 gigabytes of here that you can load samples into Montage. It just doesn't physically sample. Right, we have you, found have, you have available libraries for it and, and everything, right? Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah, we, oh, yeah, yeah, we have a uh, yeah. So we we you just as far as the sampling inside the instrument, it doesn't do that. As far as accepting samples absolutely yeah it totally takes samples yeah so here's the the interesting thing i think for for me and i actually along with my review i wrote another article about how the whole idea of workstation and and daw you know what i mean like there used to be a point when uh you know the daws were I mean, maybe not there and just not as popular and the workstation yeah. was it right you either had an mpc or something of that nature and you or you had a, a keyboard workstation and that or either the, a lot of people, especially in, in urban music, R&B or hip hop had both like right. A Triton or something and an NPC. And that was kind of yeah. like, you know, the thing right there. And, but, but with DAWs coming out and so many software samples, it seemed that it seems that, you know, that is almost the death of the sequencer in a workstation and, and the sampler in a workstation. Is that kind of along those lines? Is, is that well, that's that seemed to be where the trend has been moving over the past like 15 years? We've watched how the workstation market has just kind of gone like this. You know, we've been doing okay in that market, mm-hmm. but I don't think that people were necessarily buying Moti, for example, especially when you got to the XF for the sequencer. I think they were buying it um, because it, it sounded good mm-hmm. and it was an instrument and it played well. But um, with that said, I still think people use hardware. Mm-hmm. Um, and especially now, this is, it's, it's, this is an interesting conversation we have all the time. 
Um, I am not personally convinced that the hardware sequencer world is completely dead by any means at all. Right. I think that Akai totally doubled down big time at the NAM show by releasing a new MPC. Mm-hmm. I mean, so the other thing that, that is kind of interesting to me, you know, we've been checking out some of these uh, boutique synth shops. New York, you have uh, uh, Control. 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 Yeah. Many yeah, there's antenna. that. There's a, there's a main street or main drag in Brooklyn. Main right? drag music. And I wouldn't really. They're more. They're kind of a yeah. also a music store. But you know what I'm talking about. These Euro yeah, rack circuit. modular yeah. places. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember having a conversation with a guy in there, and he said um, the reason why people love our stuff, love these Euro rack things, is because they stare at computer screens all day long. Do <laughs> when they go home is do that. So you have these little you know, connectures and stuff that don't need that stuff and step sequencers and control voltage, no more this DAW stuff. So I get that end of it. Um, and I kind of am feeling that there might be a direction now coming back with hardware uh, tools. I, I, it's pretty clear to me that's happening. Now, yeah. with that said, the MoXF, um, we still have that in the line. That is a workstation that has built-in sequencing absolutely on it. Can I? So can we I still come have- in and just say um, w- when you're talking about like you know products that are coming back or products that are you know things have been moving on a certain trend for a while and now there's kind of a pushback. I think one of the main pushbacks that that we've been seeing lately is uh, knob per function and multiple knobs synths and that sort of thing. And I think a lot of people have been really calling for Yamaha to bring back the DX line and do like a a very knobby DX or a very knobby FM synth um, that's very hands-on control of – because – Really, I mean, there's there's the Yamaha Montage, there's the Kronos has an FM engine, but really the the Montage FM engine is so far ahead of where you know where they used to be, and a dedicated FM synth, I think it's got to be on the horizon. I mean, it's got to. It, there's so many people like if you if you look at DX7 prices, which DX7 sold so well that there's a billion of them out there. And it's like the prices are starting to climb back up, which there's no reason for those prices to come up, except for the fact that people are lusting for that old FM sound, which is, it's so funny because it's like for so long, everybody was like, oh, we need that analog sound back. And now you're starting to see all these new wave producers that are like, oh, well, now I want that FM sound, you know? So And, and, it, and it fluctuates, it ebb and flows, right? Because I've even said on this show, like, yo, I can't stand a DX7 because it's been so overused. But then when I got the the little Yamaha um, reface and, and mm-hmm. you know, I was like, okay, nah. Exactly. And <laughs> That was kind of that was kind of like proof of concept too, man. That reface, like being able to have a little bit more hands-on control and real-time control of, of their FM engine, you know, even in that small package. I was kind of a hater because I was like, man, what the hell is this? But at the same time, when I actually laid hands on it, I was like, this is ridiculously fun, you know. So I'll tell you, just to speak about FM um, reface. Since I was going to bring it up anyway, but you brought it up, so reface is. Um, really cool because you do have direct control over FM parameters with those the the touch capacitive sliders. Mm-hmm. You can select any of the four um, out you know algorithm feedback um, level mm-hmm. 
and I could pull my. It, it's a really, it's a really fun synth but, program. And, you, and there's your re, there's your real time control montage also because of its sliders and knobs. You do have real time control over FM inside montage as well. There's another cool thing that we have that's a free app. Um, that's called FM Essential that you can download it for iOS. Um, it's free, so it gives you ten sounds when you get it for free um and you can't save anything but if you go into it has the mx 49 or mx 61 bk um or um bu the blue or the black one the new ones they're out there you can find them out at different music stores but if you go in and you'd use the the usb to um lightning connector mm-hmm. You know, for iOS, all you do is you plug it into uh, uh, MX and it unlocks the app for free. Then you can save things and it has, um, let's see, emulations of the V50, the DX100, the TX81Z that they did a really good job actually emulating the output circuit. It has effects. It has filters. Mm-hmm. So it's a free little FM app that by going in and plugging it into the back of the MX it unlocks it. Yeah. And, 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 and so, so we did it to two reasons. One of them is a kind of little add on for a low cost little synth. And the other thing is that it drives people in the store, obviously <laughs> to unlock a free app, but all you got to do is go do it and unlock it. And you're good. So FM, um, go for it. Oh sorry. yeah, go ahead. Sorry. Um, um, I, I had one, two really quick practical questions about the motif especially um, with experience with the Reface DX. Uh, The first would be, how easy is it to back up everything related to all your sounds and all that on the motif, uh, you know, in case you're gigging with it? Um, Because one of the biggest... On the motif? Yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry, the montage. Um, uh, Montage. One of the biggest issues with the Reface when I was trying it out is that I found it to be really easy to accidentally do a factory reset and just lose everything if you uh um i believe if you turn it on with the highest key pressed down it, you, you just wipe the whole thing um is it really easy to back things up and the other question would be uh how easy is it to move sounds and stuff between different projects and different file structures in case you know i'm going to do a much shorter set than i usually do and i really just want my three songs to be on you know one two and three or something like that on the D, okay. So you're talking about. I'm talking about the the, the montage now. Montage. Yeah. Um, okay. So montage. It's you. You have ways to move things around. You have live sets, which you can put your best stuff into a little grid of sixteen by sixteen and be able to just get to them very quickly there. In the version one point five zero, now it's one point five one is the current uh, OS version. Um, we added the full backup file oh great great um, that's a great thing for um especially for backline people that was one of the, one of the things that, we, that that i think is one of the coolest things for it is if you're a touring act and you get a montage on backline all you have to do is have the flash drive with you and save your stuff on your montage um as a backup file and you can back up and recall the entire exactly clone your instrument wherever it's at. That's awesome. So we definitely have that full backup thing. Um, Montage is really, I think one of the cool things about it is the organization of getting to performances quickly with the 
how the live set works. And it also does what we call seamless sound switching, where if you have a sound like, and I go to another sound. So I move from one sound while holding the previous sound, and it didn't cut the previous sound off. So all that is part of the way how it works in the live set. You can organize them how you want in user live set. So yeah, it's, I mean, I think it's it's actually way better than the motif that's, in that regard. That's really nice. Thank you so much. Hey guys, I gotta um, yeah, yeah. I gotta cut out of here. Okay. Uh, happy birthday to Rod. Um, oh, happy birthday! He, he's man. a great friend of the show, so oh, I wanted to say happy birthday to Rod. Um, also, I'm gonna be heading off to my niece's birthday, but before I do, I want to put just a couple of quick screws to, to Yamaha about one thing. Um, I just wanted to ask before I head out of here because I know that a lot of my, you know, the people that watch my shows and stuff would want me to ask. Um, so there's been a large resurgence of analog in the production world that yeah, I'm sure you're well that. aware of. Um, but what I wanted to ask about is Yamaha has a great name in the analog spectrum. I mean, not just the CS80, which of course, you know, everybody knows about, but with, you know, CS15 and the string machines and, you know, Yamaha has a really long history of awesome analog gear. Um, it was kind of surprising to not see them releasing uh, analog since in that in that domain during this whole resurgence and seeing how well a lot of these products are selling. Um, is there anything that, that we can kind of look forward to or has Yamaha expressed any interest to you in any of that kind of stuff? And, you know, what's going on in that realm? Well, here's what I can say. Um, about a month and a half ago, we had a team of development guys and um uh, marketing guys specifically for what we call the SY group, the synthesis group. Um, and our big thing was taking them around to these analog kind of stores and really um, uh, show them what's, what those stores are about and the vibe of those stores. Um, <clears throat> I, every year, this is the second year I've done it now. I'm, I'm planning on going to three. I go to KnobCon, which is a, uh, synthesizer yeah, enthusiast. I was, I was there this past year along with Corey. So I was there over in the corner mm-hmm. with my stuff. And it's funny, what I say about going to KnobCon, it's like being in a room full of a bunch of hamburger restaurants and you're on the corner with some sort of a weird Asian fusion, but everybody else is selling hamburgers. They're different hamburgers, you know, but they're all hamburgers. They all have the yeah. same. Now, Yes, I absolutely feel you. Trust me. We say this to the engineers all the time. I can't really comment on anything that's that's in development. Sure, sure. I understand but, that. But, but I can definitely tell you that that we have definitely uh, uh, told them this. Uh, as a matter of fact, I'm going out to uh, Berlin to Superbooth. Okay. The big thing that they're doing in a few weeks here. So we, we we're committed to to um showing what we currently have to that market and at the same time gathering a lot of in- intel for our engineers to hopefully inform their decisions in product development um good you never know you know i i i, I would I, I hope to see something just like that i'm you all know, for yamaha taking it. time and doing it right <laughs> um so, so I, i'm encouraging it too <laughs> yeah one, one of the things that i was saying was that i was 
you know, between our little squad, we've always talked about, you know, I'd rather see them do it right as opposed to maybe um, if they've been developing and working on products that are digital for so long that, you know, I don't know whether or not they have the same type of uh, engineers ready to go for that. And, you know, it's a, it's a large difference in product, um, but I'd rather them take time, do it right right, and approach, approach the market intelligently as opposed to just putting something out like certain other companies companies did that, you know, crashed and burned because it was analog for the sake of analog and didn't really excel right. in them, you know, at, at being something interesting, you know? Well, here's something that I, I, I like to say to people. I, you know, I've been with this company all in about 23 years or so. Um, and, uh, so since you, know, you were I, a baby. I, yeah. It's been, <laughs> yeah I wish. But, um, you know, um, I mean, you know, my, my background is I, I got my master's degree in music training composition. I taught jazz studies at Arizona State. So I was always a musician. And um, I came at um, from a piano store and from the music, you know, playing music kind of thing. Um, and the reason why I like Yamaha is because, you know, our heart and soul is musical instruments. And we're a big, you know, we're the largest musical instrument company in the world. Um I, I want to say this in, in the right way. Um, expressiveness and those types of things are first and foremost. Building a musical instrument is absolutely the, 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 the center of the company. So you're exactly right. If we're going to do something, we don't want to do something that is another Me Too product. Um, and we don't need, you know, I don't want to, you know, I certainly wouldn't want us to, to remake the profit. Yeah, yeah, I hear what you're saying. Listen, guys, I got to run, um, but I'm going to be watching the rest of the show. And Blake, uh, I'll connect with you later because yes. I definitely want to talk to you more about that. And uh, yeah, yeah can, peace to everybody. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah okay. absolutely, man. So, Blake, uh, yeah, I, I echo Ken's sentiments on that. That's one of the things that when he says a squad, there's a group of us that, you know, all of us have our own blogs, our own followings, our own, you know, podcasts and what have you. And we always talk about like that stuff from from Yamaha. And yeah, if you all are kind of exploring that, I would definitely encourage just like you saying take your time and do it right and i think it's real dope that you're going around to those stores that cater to that market and cater to that sort of culture because then you're going to really be able to kind of dig out the fundamentals of like what we dig and and why things uh why things have a certain vibe that they do which obviously along with the all of the years of of uh information and and stuff that you all have but one of the other things i wanted to also mention is uh the sampler market which we may have talked a little bit about the sampler stuff Mm -hmm. but um i was looking here at the rs 7000 and what is it the um the RM1X. I've I've got very little experience with those things, but I'll tell you, I have a couple of friends that one 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 guy I know he had an RM1X. He had it for years before he bought MPC 2000 XL. Um, and some things he really liked about it that he wish the 2000 XL could do, um, and vice versa probably. Um, yeah. uh, also the but. The other thing is I remember picking up this uh, RS-7000 sequencer sampler for a friend of mine uh, off of Craigslist, right? (laughs) He's in Chicago. I'm in L.A., so he looked for some stuff and and found it on Craigslist. 
And I went and picked it up for him and sent it to him. And it's a real deep thing. It does a lot of wild mangling and stuff. Are you all uh, planning to kind of get back into that market? I know that you were saying that it looks no, like. I, I, you know, I, I again, since I, I can't really comment on things like that, yeah, but yeah. I can say that <laughs> that was a cool piece, man. No question. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And it was in that time, you know, where we were. I mean, obviously, the reason why we came out with those um, were two reasons. MPC was one of them. And the other one was the, the, the original Roland groove box. Okay. So, um, and so the RS 7,000 was sort of our pinnacle of that, where yeah. it had sampling and it had those groove box things in it. One of the cool things about RS 7,000 and about how we do things, we have all those phrases in there, the MIDI phrases. Mm-hmm. Um, that to me is one of our, strengths at yamaha and it actually comes from the portable keyboard world you know i mean it takes those type of technologies and um and makes them hipper i guess is the best way so you um anyway with that said um Mm -hmm. i have definitely told the engineers my feelings about it i would love it if we did another one of those pieces um i it's 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 one of the things where i really hope the uh, new Akai piece does really well because mm-hmm. then it will say, well, there's clearly a market for this thing. Cause I, I was pretty blown away by the Akai at the NAM show and how cool it was and how, how great the, the interface is with the touchscreen and stuff. Yeah, um, yeah. It works really well. I mean, so, as you can see, I, I have one, uh, the, the, you have one here. Do you have yeah, the big I'm one testing. or the little guy? I got the, the big guy, I'm, uh, doing some, some yeah. testing and different stuff. So there's some things I can talk about some things I can't talk about. I did a comparison between that and the Renaissance, but you know what I've noticed and we've mentioned on the show is that, you know, I think this standalone market is a uh, standalone sampler market and groove box market is definitely on a rise again. Cause if you, did you also see, um, Digitech by Electron? So that's a, a oh yeah yeah absolutely Electron is another one of those companies that just I mean I've seen a few products that I thought were super cool that they make mm-hmm. um yeah I mean I, I I I have that sense too that this um that there's kind of a turn away from so much um computer based DAW based stuff it's funny mm-hmm. I was in Oakland you know I, I have a really good friend of mine in Oakland we were at a show. And it's so funny watching, it was a hip hop show, right. watching the guys that were watching this. When a guy goes up there with a laptop, I mean, the guys that I was hanging out with were going like, man, he ain't doing nothing, man. Yeah, they didn't know if they're checking their email or actually queuing up something, right? <laughs> yeah, so he ain't doing nothing. Then, so when a guy comes up there with just an MPC mm-hmm. and turntables, immediately his credibility goes, yeah. you know, so yeah. I'm, I'm feeling not only... And, you know, that that's kind of in hip hop, but in electronic music in all sorts of things that there might be a resurgence of these hardware things. So, yeah, definitely. Because even with the Pioneer, um, the Pioneer SP-16, I think it is. Absolutely. Yeah. 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 I mean, you, you got like a so it's the MPC X, the MPC Live, the Electron Digitac, the Pioneer SP-16. And there's probably an Arturia yeah. has their the drum machine. And yeah, I mean, yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. All the things that are, that are uh, being released by different people right now. Um, you know, Yamaha, again, Yamaha's big company. We have so many different products and we have so many different product teams that are constantly moving around and stuff because we just have 
a lot of stuff that we do. Um, Synthesizers are just one piece of it, but it's an important piece. And um, I can tell you this, you know, when, when they, when they make a decision to do something, we do it. And, and we have the engineering resources and the capabilities to do it in a really, I think different and cool way. So I'm hoping that they are uh, focused on something like that in the future. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, you definitely tell them. Yeah, definitely. I mean, so, I'll, I'll keep hitting you up every time. Like, yeah, what's up with this? What's up with that? <laughs> so be, before we, I want to, I want to talk to Stoney. You there? Well, we're, we're no, no, she stepped out. She, oh, stepped, she stepped away. Oh, it's all good. Yeah. So, um, so one of the things with the, with the montage, I'll kind of go to the, the montage for this. The one thing I noticed that with the USB, you have audio over USB and there's this, yeah. it seems to be a tighter integration, I guess, with, uh, um, with being able to get the audio out of the, the keyboard into your computer and that integration with the DAW. Um, tell us a little bit about that, that whole thing, how that kind of works. One of the coolest things about is the ability to route um, virtually every part um, to its own, uh, its own stem. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I do, uh, there's an article that I have on YamahaSynth.com where in a single drum part, a lot of people don't know this in a single drum part, I can bypass all the effects internally and I can take a kick drum and have a separate out USB snare. I had 14 audio out on a single part Hmm. on a drum part. So you can track all of these parts as individual stems um, inside a montage. And I still have at 14, I have 32 total. So I still have another, what, 16? No, sorry. (laughs) bad math 18 parts um now that's at Mm 44.1 and it's a 24-bit output if i move it anything above that i still have eight stereo outputs so at 192 kilohertz i can still do up to that if i choose to go to that ridiculous sampling level but if i feel like i really feel like this has to be 96 kilohertz montage is totally up to 192 kilohertz capable um, uh, you know, it, it takes the 32 outputs and it takes them down to eight outputs, but you still get eight outputs at those higher levels. And I find at 44 and one, I mean, I don't know. I think things sound really good at 44. Yeah, I think so. On this guy, you know, so, and uh, so this USB connection, does yeah. it then, um, in your DAW, yeah. you, the montage and the setup that way. Um, Go on, say that one more time. So, you, you blacked out. Yeah, in order to use this USB connection, you set up your audio interface yeah. in your DAW as the montage. Yeah, exactly. Okay, okay. So um, if I'm in Cubase, for example, yeah. Cubase, as soon as I, if I have montage connected, there's another thing you have to do. You have to download the Yamaha Steinberg USB driver. So it's, you okay. have to have the driver. As soon as I launch Cubase, it asks me if I want to use the montage, the audio input. And so, yes, I do. And then inside of VST Connections, I set up my audio ins and outs as I need them. Cubase kind of okay. has that added sort of – some people think it's a kludgy. I kind of like the flexibility of, mm-hmm. of being able to control all my audio outputs. Mm-hmm. If I open up Logic, Logic just sees 32 outputs. And you can configure them as stereo or mono, but it always sees them all the time. And then you kind of configure it inside the mixer portion in logic to find it um 
everything else kind of has its own ways of doing things. But um, but yes, that's exactly right. It sees it sees it as an audio input, and then inside of montage is when I do the routing that I want. Mm-hmm. So I select a part, let's say the bass part. I go to the audio output and I route that to its own stereo or mono channel. And I do that internally inside a montage. Is the audio interface class compliant? Like, can you plug it right into an iPhone? And rec- yes. yes. Cool. Yes, you can. It is, it is absolutely class That's compliant. That's awesome. Because because of the driver, I thought it was worth asking. Awesome. Yeah. Cool. yeah I, I use actually Cubasis, mm-hmm. the iPad app, which is an awesome I mean, it's 50 bucks, but, and there's actually a free version called Cubasis LE that mm-hmm. some of our products unlock, but I tell people all the time, LE is cool, but man, you should update if you use an iPad. What's the, it's a what's pretty the, powerful. Is it um, like, what's the, the, the requirement on the iPad side for that? Is it like, uh, you got to have like, uh, obviously the latest, the better, because the more power, the, the probably the more. Yeah, it, so you it has to run, I think, iOS 8 or iOS 7. So if you have an early iPad, it probably won't do it. Okay. I have the original iPad Air and it works really well with that. So that's like going back to, gosh, an iPhone 4S processor, I think is in that one, or a 5. Cool. So it works, it works pretty well. I wish I had a faster one, but yeah, it works pretty well on at least the first lightning version that came out. That's yeah. the one that I have. Okay. Okay. Oh, well, that's good to know uh, because yeah, because there's probably a lot of those out there. You still can be able to multi-track stuff. And that's, that's, uh, that's actually pretty dope. And it says it's a $49 yeah, saw somebody, or so. Yeah. It's 49 bucks. Okay. I saw somebody post something about Ableton. That's my next thing with montage. I want to, I, I need to get a copy of Ableton cause I want to start, doing some stuff with that. When I go to Berlin, I'm going to talk to some of the guys out there about, cause I know it works really well with Ableton. I want to be better at Ableton. I'm dope. I'm such a Cubase logic guy, you know? Well, that's the thing. Cause so. uh, Stony is, is pretty much a whiz with Ableton. Stony's like a whiz with whichever doll you throw it as <laughs> from what I can tell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah. So the, the thing is, I mean, you know, I have a push and uh, a push to an, an Ableton and I've mm-hmm. used that and I can do what I do. But, uh, you know, what it comes down to is I'm probably more comfortable in, with the MPC. <laughs> but Stony is is pretty good with the with the whole Ableton thing. So I want to talk to her and it probably would be, hey, if, if you're in New York and you're going to hook up Stony, maybe get her a montage so she can, <laughs> you know, to get that going with Ableton and, and you know. Uh, that'll be a good synergy right there. Come, come I, on, Blake, let's do it. I also <laughs> recommend giving Stony anything. Montage. <laughs> <laughs> it's only going to help. No, you have to get to meet up with PC sometime. Phil is Phil is Phil is the guru. Yeah, that'll be awesome. Yeah, right. We should make that happen. Yeah. So, Stony, you got some uh, Ableton video tips. I, I dug the the video you did. What was it called? One thing. Um, it's a one tip, one tip, but it was, it's, it was an actual series. It was a series that Ableton, um, came to me and they were just like, Hey, you know, we, you know, they pick, you know, select a few people and they did a series and we all it, less than a minute, you know, something, you know, something to actually break the creative, um, your creative blocks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Really. It was more about, how organic or whatever it is you do to, you know, break your creative block and um, Ableton and using loops and that, you know, one particular trick that I, that I showed and, you know, it was well-received and people have been asking for, um, for more tips and more ideas and things like that. So um, I think I'm going to, uh, 
continue in doing that with my own site. Dope. I think you should. Aww. That was that was my daughter, by the way. She's actually going. To um, she's a singer, so she. Oh <laughs> you are, you she's are, so though, cute. Right? I mean, you better be. We pay for lessons. <laughs> yeah, so she's going to. I wanted to just see her, see her off very quick. Um, but yeah, oh. I think the 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 tips thing is is uh, pretty dope. Um, I'll tell you what, especially for somebody like me who's still kind of learning my way around the ropes, or uh, with Ableton, or somebody or Blake, you know, he he knows Ableton, but he wants to get better. Those kinds of tips are invaluable, and it's probably stuff that you wouldn't think much about. Um, I'm telling you, I'm, 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 you know, I, I sat and I thought about it and I was like, well, you know, uh, if, you know, if everyone wants to find out what I'm doing next, you know, you know, go to stonysworld.com. And I think I'm going to continue on the theme with, you know, just giving people uh, inspirational tips, you know, also those tips were supposed to be for people who are kind of stuck and want to break out of, you know, their normal routine and, Hey, let me try something different. And then there are other producers that are part of the series. And I enjoyed every single one of their videos. They were fantastic. And it was just fun. It was fun. It wasn't a long drawn out process. It wasn't uh, something you had to learn the language on. It was just simply, I liked one of, one of the ones I liked a lot was the DJ Dahi one where he's going through his browser and just how he names his samples and his loops and his sessions changes the way that he flows, oh, dope. Dope. you know, in his workflow. So I'm going to continue that, that theme with giving tips and inspiration with everything, Yeah, you know, not just Ableton, but, you know, machine and, you know, MPC and logic and, you know, even pro tools, like all the different um, platforms so that people could have something they can grab to. So we gave, I gave a tip for the Ableton thing, but for the machine users, I'm pretty sure they're going to want, you know, yeah. Yeah. So a, a little nugget, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, people should just follow me on Twitter and, you know, go to my website and, you know, sign up to my, you know, to sign up and subscribe to my YouTube page. And oh, yeah. you got your you URL know, now, too, on your YouTube. huh? Yeah, I got the URL now. <laughs> Stoney's Music. Word. You know, and, you know, come and, and, you know, interact with me. Talk to me. You know, tell me what you guys want to see. What kind of nuggets you want? What kind of little tips you want? Because Corey, I know that you are an MPC head and you do a lot of boom bap stuff. So the tip I might give you might be something completely different than I would give someone like Blake. Right. You know what I mean? Or right. someone who's you know a mu- musician. So um, it, I'm, it's fun. I'm having a good time. I'm having yeah, a great cool time with it. Ableton. His it's really cool. What's that, Blake? Check out your site. It's cool. It's very cool. Yeah. Oh, Thank yeah, you. <laughs> you know, and I'm just, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. You know, that's the thing. I want people to come and have fun and be a part of a production community that's just, they don't feel overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. Where they don't feel overwhelmed. So uh, doing that video was fantastic for me. Ableton, that company is amazing. Just amazing. And the ideas and the concepts that they're bringing to the producers community it's just changing, you know, how I'm making music also. I'll be honest with you, getting on Ableton is probably the best thing I could have ever done. Yeah, Ableton is pretty dope. I can't front on that. It, 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 it truly is. Um, it really is. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I learn new stuff on it every time I get into it. And it's much deeper than what meets the eyes. I mean, you know, um, 
Uh, I've seen people transition from one thing to Ableton and I've seen their creativity get opened up like tenfold. Um, And it's probably just because of, you know, all the stuff that's in Ableton and all the flexibility. Yeah, absolutely. And all the different formats that you can use in Ableton. I mean, there, there's no ceiling, you know, you, you know, you just keep going. It just keeps going and it keeps improving, getting better. And having the push just takes it to the next level, you know? Right. Well, for myself, all right, I got a push. You might see it down there now, um, over there. I mean, you can send it over. You can send no, it no, over. I'm, I'm, I'm be using that. Here's the other thing too. I got, I got my, my, um, computer, my main computer here that's connected to my MPC, but I got my, laptop which was my older computer that's a little slower and i'm using that to kind of make kits and jump on the the ren and jump on the push too from time to time you know test things and and dig in and different stuff Corey, i know i I saw a live stream you did uh i think it was this past week Mm -hmm. where you were doing a mpc x versus ren can you talk a little bit about what you found and what what are the differences between the two units because i'm 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 curious to find out what your findings yeah. were. Well, you know what the, the and let me and you know what also you know what before you that? answer that, tell me what the difference was when you were on push and then when you got on the MPCX. Oh. How different? Oh, it's mad different. <laughs> I mean, it's just a huge difference. Well, one is is the 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 physical difference initially. Um, I mean, push is you know it's got a lot more. Um, pads, right? Uh, the size, and and I don't know if you can see right. this, but right. So obviously, the size yes. is just mad different. Wow! Right? Look at that! Wow! Wow! You see the difference in that, right? Yeah. Um, you know, it can't go oh, wow. too far out. Yeah, but there, it's a. Oh no, I see that. that. Yeah. Um, but <clears throat> push. The creation, the the style that you create on push is just really different from the NPC, right? And I'm used to creating on the NPC and certain things. There's nothing that I can't do, you know, um, on the push, but then it's just a different style of working. So I think the the biggest difference was probably the size, but the other big difference was the touch screen because you can get in there, you could touch the waves, you could touch, um, you know, just about anything. Uh, uh, so okay, that's a that's a huge difference. Um, now let me ask you this: Did you have more fun using the X versus the push? I think so, um, and I think the touch screen had a lot to do with it. So if you if if people are following my Instagram okay. stream, you'll notice that I was using the X Y effects a lot, and there's a there's a few other effects that I want them to, to add to that, but that's another thing, being able to touch it in the performance uh, right. sense, right? To be able to, to you know, you got your beats. Here's the thing about NPC right. and NPC heads. It's a lot of times about two, four, eight bar sequences, and then obviously going into song mode and stringing those things together, create whatever it is. But, you know, boom bap artists, uh, um, you know, uh, tend to do stuff and it may be, it may seem like loop based for cats, but then when you disrupt the beat, like that's a big thing. When, whenever I get to Mm -hmm. a chance to kind of start showing my workflow to people like that whole, uh, disrupt of the beat where you know you drop a vocal sample or you do mutes and solos or you may have the same finite uh 
sequences or tracks in the sequence, right? Say like eight mm-hmm. different tracks, but then, you know, you can have them all going at the same time. You can drop them all out. You can do different things to arrange it. And I think that's what right. we do with with the NPC. But what I found is that the XY effects, which I think is in the touch too, uh, opened up some creativity in that sense, where it's not just, you know, about a drop here, a drop there. You know, you can go through this whole beat repeat thing and the effects and kind of touch it. And you you almost, you're kind of becoming one with the beat. So I think that's kind of dope, especially with this big screen. I mean, look how big that screen is, a 10-inch right. screen. Yeah, that's insane. Yeah, it's crazy. So one one difference between the Push 2 and the original Push was that Ableton took it in-house, meaning that the original push was high as well, right? So I think it's interesting to look at the hardware of the new NPCs, including mm-hmm. the X, and see how many different sizes of buttons there are and sort of the decision to do only knobs in the touchscreen as opposed to any sliders. And uh, it is mm-hmm. just depending, you know, everybody uses their NPCs a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. But I know for myself that something I really enjoyed was the... Um, on, on the 1000s called the Q-Link, but uh, just the sliders on the different NPCs. And, you know, even from like the 60 up, you can even sort of just get like your little finger on the slider and play the pads that way. Mm-hmm. And there's all kinds of things that are really quite different about the NPCX. Um, when you did the size comparison, uh, I think that was a little bit telling too. Would you say that it's... Oh, hold on, you be able to put it in a, on a in a backpack or anything, or are you really looking at using the live? Oh, so you know, you I see people play up push two all the time. You broke up a little bit, but I guess you're asking about the portability of the MPCX versus oh, yeah. the live. Uh, yeah, yeah, no, I don't see the I don't see the X as, as portable in the traditional sense of portable because not, it won't fit in any of my book bags, obviously. Okay, but. Um, I do have one bag that the X fits in that I think the the I mean that the Ren fits in that I think the X will fit in. Um, but yeah, so you got the the one thing I can say is that you got the the screen. Um, it has about an inch Pretty and a half, right? It, it's a it's, mm. it's a thin screen, but look how much it goes up from the back. Of, oh wow, that doesn't that doesn't retract? No, no, that it doesn't. doesn't retract. Like I mean, you can sit the screen up and it has a kickstand oh. sort of like the, the, the Voyager deal. Does it, can, it, can it close and lock? Yeah, well, this is a prototype so I don't know if it'll lock. But for now, at this point, it does not lock. Right? So you right. can see... But let me say something to Sam, though. You, you, know, you know something, Sam? It's funny. I, I had this conversation with a producer friend of mine the other day and um, it was the same thing about portability and being able to take your gear, put it in your backpack and go... And um, I always talk about working in a portable in a portable way. But I went to another friend of mine's house and he had he had a profit. He had an MPC 1000. He had, I think, the Apollo twin. He had this this crazy setup and he had a suitcase. And he literally when he goes and does gigs, he puts his gear in his bag and he rolls it out and he's gone. And if that's your tool and that's your, you know, your your weapon, your choice of weapon and you get that's what you create with, then yeah, put it in your bag or find a bag and get where you got to go and get the job done. You know what I mean? Like, um, 
You know, well, like well, I was so Corey. I love Sada saying on the on the chat. He's like, well, you keep the X in your studio and live is it goes portable. The one thing like that's a good point. Wow. Sada, but the, the one thing that I would say is what we were talking about the other day. Uh, Stony is that like you were just uh-huh. saying right there if if this is your yeah. weapon of choice this is what you go out with and when it comes to modular guys seeing as though um, the MPC X has the, the CV on the back when it comes to modular guys right. whatever they create with it at the crib is what they take to the jam with them so if you're using this oh, and yeah. the X doesn't have um, the CV gates and stuff so I think that cats are just going to take it wherever they need to take it. Uh, I think in a, in a traditional sense of most of us urban producers, we get the X. We ain't just running out, taking that thing everywhere. But the live is kind of yeah, thing. yeah. But when it comes I, to like, Stony, I know exactly what you're saying. And, you know, like I love like keyboards and I'm aware that there are people who used to or even still do tour with them. Mm-hmm. But uh, I'm glad that I asked because I, I actually had forgotten the thing about the overhanging screen on the NPCX and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Uh, and uh, to consider, like, I, for one thing, I don't do the, uh, like, larger screen mod on a, uh, you know, an NPC 1000 yeah, or like 2500. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Be, just because I kind of prefer even just the ability to put it in a flight case safely or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, Let me tell you. Screen. Let me tell you. I mean, I mean, if if you look at, and it depends on what you're doing, right? It depends. Are you a hobbyist? Are you a professional? Are you a performer? Is this what you do for a living? Is, is this a hobby? You know, it's it's all these different things, these you know different ideas. But I remember DJs carrying turntables mm-hmm. to and, a gig, and like and they get their and anvil cases, <laughs> crates of records. Yeah. So, and, and I'm not saying, okay, you know, and not for nothing, I know cats that carry two laptops in their bag. It's heavy yeah. as hell. They still keep oh, them. They still, I, you, you know, know I'm, I have I'm there. Turntables, two laptops. I, I, I feel it. My you know, Oh, well, Sam just you know, came I put in my, my crib last and weekend, and, and I mean, it was like he was going on a trip because he brought the SP-1200 and the, the Zulu and cables. I mean, that, that's the kind of right. thing. And I bet you could ask Blake, too, with Blake. I mean, it, you're, you're a, a, a trained musician and playing, so I, I bet you obviously remember the days of carrying the Rhodes and, and the Yamaha CS80s and stuff out to gigs, right? Yeah, I had a, I had a CP-70, man. Yeah, right? So... Yeah, my back hurts now. <laughs> yeah, and I had a road. I, I, in fact, you have a 73, right? I have the yeah. same. Yeah. Hey, exact Corey, one. you know what? What's I, up? I see, I see people. I see, I can see performers on stage with the MPCX. Mm-hmm, certainly. I can see it. I can see that. I can see bands having it on stage. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, why not? Well, yeah, they had the 5,000. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, what, around the 5,000 to 4,000. Yeah. One, you know, I'm not particularly excited about um, the live versus the X, but one thing I do appreciate about it is the sort of flat screen where the um, just like a laptop, the sort of upturning screen on the uh, uh, NBC X sort of puts a little tiny wall between the performer and the audience. If you were to see it on stage yeah. and it also yeah. results in this eye angle, which looks sort of down and into as opposed to sort of over and across that you get with these. uh Sort of Bro, let machines. me tell you something. That X is so sexy. It could be at any angle, bro. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I will say. I mean, let's call it. I mean, it's that, a beautiful um, piece. Come on. It is, and what one of the things that I will say that I, I uh, 
The screen is very responsive. I'm thankful for that. I'm glad they got that part right. But one of the things, look, you can see my real real machine if you look in the screen there. Look yeah, at, I can. Right. Yeah. You could so to reflect, it's very reflective. Look at that. You can see my hands so well, it's right. almost like a mirror. Yeah, but on stage, on stage at night, yeah, it's, I'm it, pretty it, it's sure it's a different deal. Yeah. <clears throat> right? Yeah. So um, and the other thing, too, is I've reached out already just as, <laughs> you know, as a person that I know I'm going to be using the X. And, and then as a as a, a, a courtesy to the community, I've reached out to NPCstuff.com. It was like, yo, get started right. now making anti-reflective. Yeah, like not fat pads, but the anti-glare like screen protector like this comes gotcha. on it. Like they need to make an anti glare okay. screen protector for it uh, because I think that's going to be a big aftermarket thing for it. And it's it's such a niche right. thing. But NPCstuff.com, that's what they do. They literally build aftermarket things for the NPC. <laughs> so I, I mean, I'm, I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm, I mean, I'm excited about everything that's happening. I'm excited about push. Mm-hmm. I'm excited about, you know, just all the different choices we have now. And I mean, this montage, I'm I'm honestly blown away you know i i can't wait to get my hands on it touch it see what it does you know i i just i'm excited about technology right now yo yeah. i'll tell you stony the montage is gonna blow your mind just just um like if you're not used to the yamaha thing then the, the menu the menu system can be a little overwhelming but the sound oh, i'm a motif head i'm definitely okay, so i'm a motif head bro uh the the yeah. sound though is mind-blowing yeah, it's it's. I, I tell wow. people, and I, I'm I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to balance here, but mm-hmm. I, I'll say one thing before I, you know, I said I was like 23 years of this company, and I've seen a lot of cool synths. You know, we had the EX5 and all that, but this is, I mean, montages. I've watched it from the ground to what it is now, and uh, I'm just continually blown away by all the things that it can do. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the piano, because I spend most of the time on the pianos, but just. It, it it is uh it's it's to me the most exciting product they've done it's so different than anything else that's out there and okay. just sonically it's just it's inspiring so yeah um so yeah we'll have to we'll we'll figure something out for you stony there all right blake definitely yeah but i gotta go if that's cool any, you got any yeah. other questions or anything for me no i think we're good and as a matter of fact we're gonna wrap up the show with that blake if you could hold tight one second we're gonna wrap up the show sure. i think oh, yeah, we yeah. at about an hour and 20 minutes in and it's been a good conversation i appreciate you stopping by blake um absolutely um, anytime man this is really cool yeah, it's really cool yeah. you're doing this Thank you, man. Yeah, man. Just, you know, the thing is, 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 most of us are talking all the time anyway. We just kind of figured, you know, it'd be cool to be able to, to give this to the community and, you know, have this interaction. So I'm glad you came by. Thanks, Sam, for Absolutely. stopping by. Yeah, and Stoney for stopping anytime. by. And all my beat people out there, be sure to uh, stop by beatpeople.com and um, pick up kits as we're going to have more and more stuff out there for you as we do, as we do. And stop by Stoney's World. Is that, it's, I'm sorry, Stoney, I don't want to butcher you. That is correct. Yes. That is correct. Stoney'sWorld.com. And, and, uh, and Stoney's, uh, Stoney Sounds and, um, on YouTube. Word. And uh, also my montage Stoney's, review. Oh, Stoney's becomes, Music also. Stoney's Music. Okay. And my YouTube, um, I mean, my YouTube, my review of the montage will be coming soon. I just got to finish editing it up. I've already sent it back, but I got to edit uh, the thing up and I made a pretty dope track with it, with the with the MPC and that. So oh, I'm cool. looking forward awesome. to showing yeah, man. Um So yeah, um, signing off. And this is uh, the Beat People Show. All right.
Cool, thanks. Yeah. Let me stop the broadcast.